I don't want anybody to walk away after having a conversation or an interaction with me going like, ugh. I can see your heart for people. What does the Bible tell us about love? So Trina, first of all, thank you for taking the time to even come sit with me and take this time. I know you're very busy, have a lot of responsibilities. So thank you for joining us. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so who is your favorite OG Disney princess? Like the original one? I guess probably I'd have to say Cinderella. Okay, that's a good um, one. And maybe just because I'm always rooting for the underdog. And so she was like this mistreated, overlooked person. Yeah. But yet at the end, you know, she scored the prince. And so yeah. I'm going to go with Cinderella. That's totally like your heart. Yeah. Like the people that are overlooked mm -hmm. and need help. Okay, so you come home from work, you turn on the TV, would you rather watch sports or sitcoms? Probably sports. There we go. I love kickboxing. Like, I would not have expected you to be into kickboxing. That's probably my favorite form of exercise really? is kickboxing. Um, and maybe it's just because in the position I'm in, there is some stress, and so that's a great way to yes. relieve stress. What do you do? Yeah, what do I do? Um, as a director, I have oversight of different departments within the church. I was so excited to come in and in a sense, kind of be the people person. Yeah. Um, my heart is for people. And so just really starting to look at everything we do and going, why do we do this? Are we just doing this because we've been doing it for 20 years? How can we do it better? Um, where are people falling through the cracks? And then just slowly starting to implement changes. Something as simple as when people are submitting prayer requests through our website, you know, it, it comes to us electronically, but making sure that they are contacted personally, either with an email or a phone call. Um, so just small things like that. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we made phone calls to our members that we couldn't identify had any connections anywhere just to see how are they doing. Yeah. Um, so just a bit more of taking the big church, but yet recognizing every person is an individual and making them know that. that they're cared for. Yeah, I love that. I think you're the perfect person for that role. Like, Thank you. That's what I see about you is the, the caring for people. Before you mentioned, before you got in this new position, you were over living for your recovery services. You did that for how long? I came there in January of 97. When, weren't so you like, like 23 years. I was like, 20, you were young, I was right? like 22 years old. Yeah, fresh out of college. Fresh out of college. Yeah. So Living Free Recovery Services is a program for people dealing with substance abuse issues. Um, it's a licensed outpatient program housed here in the church. And I was a very unusual suspect to come into the field because at that time, the majority of people working in substance abuse were people that had overcome that themselves. And most people were going back for a second career. So um, it made no logical sense that I myself didn't have a drug and alcohol problem, but I knew probably since, I don't know, I was about 14 that I wanted to help people in some way. And it just kind of developed into that. If God's called you to do something, he's equipped you to do it. Yeah. And so it was all definitely the grace of God and what he put in my heart as a desire. And then I just kept learning and, and growing. And so I was there from 97 until Basically, February of this year, I still have final oversight, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day as much anymore. One of the things that I love about Living Free, and we've had this conversation before, is that, yes, we believe in, in the spiritual thing. We believe in God, the power of the Holy Spirit to help overcome. We believe in praying for people when they need help with addiction. But 
it wasn't like we just did that. We didn't ignore the actual science and the counseling and right. those sort of things. Yeah, I feel like from our inception, which was in 94, we were always bringing in that, that we were created as three-part beings, that we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And um, it was almost like we were way ahead of the times because now finally the recovery community is starting to come out and go, hey, the language you use matters. And yeah. so instead of saying that I'm an alcoholic, you say I'm a person in long-term recovery. And it's like, okay, well, that's what we did is we didn't make people say I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. We're like, who are you in Christ? Yep. And so kind of what we've been doing from the beginning of time, now I feel like the world is catching up with a little bit, but we have to be mindful of us being a three-part being and all those yeah. things work together. And when you're not sleeping or you're not healthy and you're not feeling well physically, you're not doing well, you know, usually mentally yeah. or emotionally to be able to attack some of, you know, the issues. And so we definitely can't ignore science. There's definitely benefits to talking to somebody and we're not trying to force everybody to dig up everything from their past. But yeah. if it's still impacting how they live their life today, it's probably something that we need to talk about. So yeah. we know that the key to their long-term recovery is understanding who they are in Christ, is developing that personal relationship with Jesus. And so it's awesome to be able to work on all three things to um, result in them being a whole person. Yeah, I love that, the practical side of ministry. I think too often in in churches, we, we so focus on the spiritual and we say, um, just trust God and he'll yeah. take care of you or, you know, believe in God or we'll say, you know, somebody that's going through something will say, lean on God or we'll say, we'll pray for you. We'll say, you know, let the spirit lead you, which is all like good stuff, right? But I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, but practically, what do I do? Exactly. And so I've had a lot of conversations recently about whether it's, um, you know, racism or, you know, COVID and um, the, you know, extra poverty and situations that people are in because of it. These conversations of like, well, people that just, I don't want to say just pray for you because I do believe in the power of prayer, but like, it's like, okay, I believe in prayer. I believe in, you know, Jesus, you know, love people. That's a conversation with racism a lot. Yeah. Is, well, we just need to love people. And we do, absolutely. But, but we still, you know, read and educate ourselves and have conversations. I look at it as, and I don't know if this is like scripture or whatever, you're a pastor, so maybe you'll correct <laughs> me on this, but like, I like to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. So yeah. I'm like, okay, what can I do? What kind of, can I read something? Can I do something? What can I do to like, ultimately the change is gonna come from the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, he's gonna be the one that changes my heart or helps me to accomplish these things. But I'm going to do what I can do in the natural. Not that he needs my help. He's pretty powerful. But, but I still, I'm like, I'm gonna give him something to work with. I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna do these things that I can do. And then ask the Holy Spirit to use me and use yeah. those things to change me. And yeah. that's what I love about, about what you guys did at Living Free and are doing at Living Free. There are still so many choices that an individual has to make, whether it's that choice to forgive. And yes, the power of the Holy Spirit is there, yeah. but we have to teach them like, this is how you do that. Or it can be something as basic as like, you know what, we got to clean up your contact list on your cell phone right now. Yeah. Or you might need to change your cell phone number so you don't have 10 drug dealers calling you. So there's going to be something as basic as that. Um, even just helping people understand why Jesus died for them and what, what that means for their yeah. future. So we work with everybody on all parts of the spectrum of Christianity. 
And that's what, in, in the conversations that we've had, the, I can see your heart for people. And, I, and you talked about going into living free and drug and, re, and alcohol recovery, even though you aren't a recovering alcoholic, because I do, or a drug addict or anything, because I, I do think you see that a lot, which is great, because people that go through it then have a heart for people that are doing it and can use yeah. their experience. But I, I think it's special and unique, and I really love the fact that you weren't like that, but you still have that heart for people. And even if you're not directly involved in, in living free in the day to day, you're still over that. But also, you're bringing that into the rest of the aspects of church, into everyone, right? Because there's broken people in the church that come yeah. every Sunday, and maybe they put on a mask or they, they don't acknowledge that brokenness, or maybe nobody sees that, but there's still broken people in there too. So why are people so important to you? Why mm -hmm. now that you are um, over, I mean, essentially all the people, right? Everything they do, their, their social interactions, their community from, from life groups to, to volunteering and serving in the church, to counseling, to all of that is, is kind of under you now. I can't say that I know how it got there other than that's how I was created. And I yeah. think there's certain things that to me are second nature and I'm just like, well, doesn't everybody feel this way? Or doesn't everybody think this way? Or why wouldn't somebody want to do that to help that person? And the more and more I realize like that isn't how everybody else is built. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so I've had to appreciate that as being a, a gift that God gave me, that that's how he created me. Um, but also with that is risk, because when your heart yearns for people or wants to help hurting people, you're opening yourself a lot to get stomped on yeah. or um, taken advantage of, or it's hard to leave a group therapy session at Living Free after hearing something horrific and just be able to like go home and go to bed, you know? Um, yeah. So sometimes there's that drawback that things like weigh on you, but I think um, everybody has a story and we make assumptions about people, all of us do. And maybe just the years of living free and hearing people's stories and understanding why they act the way they do and going, if I would have lived through that, I might act this way as yeah. well. And so trying to kind of, I guess, train Christians to not jump to conclusions, not to make quick judgments because you don't ever know the whole story unless yeah. you've taken the time to ask. And so if you ever hear me preach a sermon, it's usually going to be something about that, about love. Or um, people assume that a person with a drug addiction, like they're just criminals. They just don't have self-control. They're just lazy. And it's like, you know what? If you sat down and talked to that person, you'd hear stories of maybe years of abuse. You'd hear stories of, you know, my children were murdered by my ex. I, I People don't just do drugs for no reason. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like there's so much negativity and we as Christians are supposed to be an example of Christ um, through love. And we just need to keep doing a better job at that. And we have to be diligent to keep trying because it's our nature, I think, just to be sometimes judgmental and quick to dismiss people and not to take the time to hear the whole story. Yeah, what I'm hearing a lot is empathy, which is a big yeah. thing in a lot of conversations I've had with people, especially recently about race. I've had a lot of conversations about that, but that empathy of you don't know what someone's going through and you have to try to walk through their shoes a little bit, try mm -hmm. to see what it's like. And that's the same kind of thing when people are dealing with whatever it is, whether it's drugs or alcohol or just 
bad relationships or whatever it is or anger issues or whatever like if you don't know their story it's hard to to understand what they're going through and it's hard to and that's why i think where a lot of the judgment comes in is because most of us don't actually take the time to get to know someone and get to know their story yeah. and see how they are um, love empathy is so important to you and it's so foundational to christianity like yes there are you know i don't want to say rules but things that we can do to live a better life and stuff that, that, that God wants that's best for us. But ultimately, Jesus came to love. And ultimately, he literally, talk about empathy, God himself came down to earth in the flesh yeah. to empathize with humans, to like, what is it like to be a human on earth? So I'm saying a lot of stuff and more than I probably intended to, but <laughs> there is a question in here somewhere. And the question is like, love. How important is love? In, the, in Christianity, in your Christian faith, how important is love to the church? Yeah, and so, I mean, if we look in our Bibles, what does it say about love? Like, above anything else, this is like the one law. And I think it was maybe Andy Stanley I heard say this, and it really made sense to me. He's like, the Bible can say this, and the Bible can say that, and the Bible can say this, but we can't forget that it says, above everything else, there's this one law, which is love, and to look at everything else the Bible says through that lens of love. Um, and so I try to keep that in mind. And I think the pieces that the church is missing, well, first of all, I read an interesting article about why do we tend to judge people? Yeah. And it, it talked about just the basics in our brain that if we're looking at a behavior and we're like, why the heck would they do that? That it's easy for our brain just to make a judgment about character. So now I can move on to the next task. Okay. Um, and so if I have to actually sit and think through and find out their story, that kind of slows down my brain from moving on to the next task. And so we tend to jump to, it's a character issue. You're doing that because you have this character defect. Instead, we have to train ourselves to do basically what you said and like, hey, maybe they're acting this way because of a particular situation yeah. and that they don't just have like a character defect. Um, so that's something we have to be diligent to do. But to me, the reason why we don't see a lot of maybe more love in the church, I think is because in general, the church is really lacking humility. That's my opinion. Um, when we judge somebody, it sometimes makes us feel better. You know, oh, I'm better than yeah. them in this way. That goes back to a humility issue. I think sometimes as Christians, we're like, we're the only ones that know the truth. We're the only ones who are gonna get this. And we see ourselves as this superior person. Once again, um, we could use a little bit more humility. And so I think if we continue to examine our own hearts and really understood that topic, which isn't taught very much, um, the result of it would be that we would have, uh, do a better job at loving and empathizing with people. That's my opinion. No, that's good. You're talking <laughs> about humility. And I, to me, humility can come from accepting that I might not have all the answers. Yeah. But I think as Christians, we're taught as a young age growing up in the church to Jesus is the only way to God and he is the way, the truth and the life. So like the Bible is the truth unquestioned. So how do we balance that? We have the right answer in Jesus, in the Bible. I'm not backing down on that. I'm firmly in this, but then also I don't know everything. 
So then how do you balance that humility with, no, I, I do believe I have the truth, the word of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I can humble myself and say, hey, maybe I don't know everything. I, I think that is a tough balance. Um, and maybe deep down we will say this is one non-negotiable. I know that, you know, my relationship with Jesus, he's the only truth, he's the only way to God. But yet, what do we do with that? Are we taking that out um, and just throwing that in everybody's face? Are we saying it just to say it? Um, to me, it's how you interact in those relationships. Um, here's like one recent example. There's been so much debate, you know, about masks and are you in faith and are you in fear and are you da 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 da. And so um, I feel like as Christians, we'll see maybe somebody walk into the church and we're like, look at them. They're wearing a face mask and a face shield and they have gloves on. Like they must be so full of fear. And I'm like, why do we jump to that conclusion yeah. instead of that might be this person's very first time coming to church and we're surprised that they're acting like the world when they're coming out yeah, of the yeah, world. Exactly. So why are we assuming that you're a Christian in fear instead of you're like a newcomer coming to learn? Um, so it goes back to those assumptions and judgments. Yeah. And so maybe deep down in my heart, I can be like, hey, I have a, you know, a covenant with God. I have supernatural protection. But that doesn't mean I walk up to a person going, what's with you wearing your mask yeah. and your shield and your this? You are so full of fear. Did you know yeah. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear? And guess what? Do you think they ever want to come back in this no, building No, that doesn't yet? help anything. They don't. So you can have knowledge about a lot of things. I mean, just even think in the academic world. If you were an expert on sports, but then do you Which use, am, the yeah, do you yeah, use that to like intimidate and minimize other people because you have a certain amount of knowledge? And so to me, it's just about, do you know how to interact with people to locate yeah. them where they're at, um, how you communicate with them instead of just telling them everything about what you know? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's what you, not what, humble. Yeah, <laughs> what you said reminded me of, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but. The church uh, that I went to before um, when we were in California, Rock Church, one thing that I that I really loved about it is I remember walking out Sunday morning and I'm just across the street, so like it's not a full street, but like there's like a, basically a smoking section and there's like a dozen or so people that just walked out of church and the first thing they do is go smoke a cigarette. And I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians that would judge them and say, what are they doing smoking at church? But, and I think it was actually Pastor Jim that said this years ago, I think at the fifth service, but it was like, but you don't know what if they, this is their first time ever in church, yeah. or even if maybe they've been coming to church, yeah, they're smoking, but at least they're in church. And like, I think it's a way to look at it differently. Like right. you're saying- I'm going, I'm glad they're not smoking crack. They're just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm glad that they're progress. here. Like if they're trying to, <laughs> like, I'm glad that they're here. Who cares if, yeah. they, if they're still smoking? Maybe they've tried to quit or maybe they haven't yet, and they, but they're at least, here in a good place, seeking yeah. God, trying to get answers. Trying, so, so I think it's a perspective shift and I think it is trying to put yourself in somebody else's perspective a little bit yeah. and see things the way they see it. And I think we as Christians, and I think everybody likes easy answers. What you talked about with, uh, yeah. you can look at it and you just see bad behavior or whatever it is and you just say it's a character flaw or they're, you know, they're mm -hmm. a bad person or whatever and you don't, because then you can quick answer and move on. Um, and I think we we don't do a good enough job with that, of actually taking the time to get in and know people. I agree. 
Um, it requires dialogue, it requires effort, and sometimes we just don't make that a priority. Yeah. We just It's easier just to say, I don't wanna have anything to do with that person and move on, or we live in you know what we're talking about, this cancel culture, or you can have one opinion and I can have another, and we've totally lost this, let's agree to disagree. It's like, no, I must attack you. I must destroy you. I must make you believe what I believe. And we don't even ask you like, well, tell me why you think that way. Yeah. It's just like, nope, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm going to destroy you. Yes. And we also, <laughs> yeah, we go into conversations like that. Even if we, we say we're gonna have a conversation with someone, we go in to prove ourselves right yeah. Not to hear what they have exactly, to say. and that's that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Watching this video, what's maybe one thing you want them to leave this video with? Um, definitely about not passing judgment, knowing that everybody has a story, everybody is hurting. Um, to maybe follow some of those leadings that if you see somebody and the Lord kind of quickens your heart, like, hey, go say hi to them, or. Um, even just saying the positive things we think about people like, hey, Josh, that's a really nice coat. You. you can make that person's day yeah. if we just say the nice things that we're thinking. Um, and just r really having the goal that people leave an experience with you better than when they came. Yeah. I don't want anybody to walk away after having a conversation or an interaction with me going like, Ugh, I feel worse about myself. Yeah. Um, and it's just the basics of what does the Bible tell us about love? You know, it is kind, it is patient. And, you know, you can, I think we read those verses and we can rehearse them, but do we really, really take it and apply it to our lives? Just know that people are hurting and a little bit of love goes a long way. Yeah, I love that. And I love that in your new role, you are over a lot of people and their experience with the church. So when they come, and they talk to people at the church, the goal is they get that. So if you're able to, to pass down your heart and what you're saying right now, if you're able to pass that down to your people under you, then that's the experience that people are gonna get when they walk through the doors at Living Word. Yeah. And that should ultimately be what we want as a church, right? That people, when they come in, they leave having been better, feeling better, getting something better, that they're better when they left than when they came. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited for your role, for the stuff you're doing. Thank you. Um, all of the care and counseling initiatives, like I'm 100% on board. I'm super excited. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Sid, I know you're very busy. You're a director. You're very important these this. days. I love this. I'll always but make time for this. Thank you for taking the time for this conversation. Thank you guys for watching. Join us for the next Couch Conversation.